Simply put, it is the way that we view the world. Uh, it is the lens through which we make sense of, of the way that this world operates. A, a worldview, uh, one person said, has to answer three fundamental questions. Where did we all come from? Uh, what went wrong with this world and how can it be put right again? And, uh, and that's what a Christian worldview answers as we uh, look out in this world. How do we make sense uh, of everything? And, and sometimes what happens with us as Christians is uh, we've got sort of a partly Christian worldview, but then we've kind of mixed that in and syncretized that with, with a, a secular worldview, and we've kind of put the two together. But as Christians, we need, to, we need to do the hard work of thinking about the issues of life in a biblical way. You see, when God saves us, he doesn't just uh, call us to kind of put a veneer around our life, a, a Christian kind of facade. Uh, but but the, the Bible and becoming a Christian following Christ is something that impacts everything that we do. It doesn't just impact what we do for one hour or two hours on Sunday morning. It impacts what we do from nine to five on Monday through Friday, right? It impacts our lives. It impacts uh, the way that we think about work, the way that we think about our particular profession, the way that we raise our children, the way that we think about schooling our children. All of those things should be impacted by the word of God. God's word doesn't leave anything untouched. What we have in this passage, in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to begin at verse number 13, uh, where Vance left off with our scripture reading this morning. But what we have here is really the one of the central passages that I think calls us to having a Christian worldview. And not just a view of the world, but, but obviously acting in line with, with that view. So, Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 13. You are, you all, are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, you here this morning, you followers of Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. One of the very difficult things that Christians have struggled with almost from the beginning is how we relate to the world around us. Christians are often confused about our purpose in this world. We know that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to atone for our sins. He saved us. And we know that in the future, there's a coming day in which Jesus will return. At, there will be a great judgment day and we will go to be in heaven with him. And that's our hope. But for far too many Christians, that in between period, this life now, life as a Christian in a fallen world is often difficult for us. We, we sort of have an identity crisis. What are we supposed to be like in this world? Are we supposed to blend in or are we supposed to stand out? And you see Christians or at least people to be uh, claiming to be Christian kind of on both ends of that spectrum. So you have people who who go way out of their way, who would say that they're a Christian to try to make themselves stand out. They, they dress differently and uh, cut their hair in a certain way and, and they do all kinds of things to make themselves stand out and to look different from the world just from a physical standpoint. 
There are others who it seems their goal in life as a Christian is just sort of to blend in. Uh, They want to be almost indistinguishable between the world. And I think if we take those two approaches, they're they're both fundamentally wrong. One focuses too often, and and this is sort of the background that I grew up with in in part, uh, was that we stand out by the way that we dress and sort of uh, dressing modestly and and looking a certain way. Uh, And and I think that's wrong because it focuses on the external. But then there's there's the other side that simply uh, wants to blend in. And, And of course, that's wrong as well. Based on this passage, we are those who should be light and salt. We should be noticed in the world. How are we to be different, though? Well, we notice Jesus in in chapter 4, verse 12, says that he was the light that was coming into the world. Uh, John puts it that way. Matthew here uh, says that, that, uh, quotes an Old Testament scripture, I'm the light coming into the world. And now those of us who are followers of Christ, he tells in these passages, uh, in these verses, that we are the light of the world. So just as, as Jesus came to bring light into the world, those of us who follow Christ are to do the same thing. But what is it that makes us stand out? What is it that makes us shine in this world? What is it that makes us distinct and different? Well, I think as we look at this passage and as we look at at Scripture, I think the teaching here is that the, the Christian provides light to a dark world and acts to preserve it from spiritual and moral decay through their influence that comes, I think, in, in four primary ways. Through our influence, it, it comes through uh, doing just good deeds. And, and we all know that. I think some of these are, are ones that we focused on uh, as Christians. And, and we understand through, through doing just deeds of goodwill. So caring for the poor, helping uh, the sick, helping the, uh, those in need. Uh, but not only doing good deeds... Uh, but also through our gospel witness, through, through sharing our faith, through telling others about the way of salvation through, through Jesus Christ. And then uh, a, third, a third way is just our Christ-like character. Uh, so just acting as Jesus says, and we're going to look at this, in, in line with these beatitudes, being pure in heart, peacemakers, uh, those who are merciful, and, and so on. So just our, our character. But then there's, there's a fourth way, and that's what I want us to focus on. And as we move forward in the weeks ahead, I think this will uh, become more clear. This fourth way is through consistently living out biblical principles in whatever sphere of influence we have. Whatever job you have, whatever profession you have, uh, the Bible and the biblical principles that we find there have something to say about the way that you ought to do that, the way that you ought to be a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer or a factory worker or whatever you are, uh, biblical principles uh, should dictate to you the manner in which that you do those things. And that's what it means, quite simply, I think, to live out a Christian worldview. You ask yourself as a parent, as a person in this profession, as a person who's on the school board, or as a person in this sphere of, of influence, how should I act? Do I just act like everyone else? Or, or does the Bible teach something unique about the way that I should participate in whatever it is that I'm doing? And I think that's what it means to live out a Christian worldview. Well, let's look for a minute at this passage, and then we'll kind of make some particular application to this idea of a worldview. And, and hopefully, if you stick with us, uh, some of you are just lost right now. You're saying, what is a worldview? I'm not, I'm not getting all this. As we go on, I think it will become uh, more and more clear. But let's look at this passage, first of all, just to see what Jesus is, is teaching here. I think what he's teaching is that our, our commitment to Christ 
should be obvious to the world around us. And, and the way that it should be obvious is by our works. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? And in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people hide a lamp, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket. And so the idea is that we as Christians are to have uh, an influence on the world around us. We are to be a light shining into the world. We are to act as salt in preserving the world around us. He uses both of these, the idea of light and the idea of salt. The fundamental purpose of Christ's followers, then like the, the purpose of lighting a lamp, the purpose of being a Christian, Jesus says here, is to shine the light of righteousness to the world around us. It will inevitably be noticed. I think that's what he's teaching here. Uh, as, we, as we live out what it means to be a follower of Christ, as we act in line with Scripture and in line with following Christ, the world around us will notice. Now, I'm not saying here that we ought to point out the things that we do. And some Christians act in that way. They're always very obvious, very overt in the way that they practice their righteousness. Look at me. I'm a Christian. And they, they intentionally seek to make themselves stand out. And, and, and at the end of the day, it really becomes hypocritical. It's not from a sincere heart, but it's a desire uh, to make yourself look righteous. It comes from self-righteousness. But what Jesus is teaching here, and, and he warns against that in, in chapter 6. So he says, don't practice your righteousness in front of others. Uh, so we need to just kind of be cautious here because uh, we need to be careful in the way the way in which we go about this but what he's calling us to here is following him in such a way that the world around us sees it and it and it's obvious we don't have to point it out we don't have to say hey look i'm doing this hey let me post this on facebook let me post this on social media and and get it out there let me let me get this on instagram so everybody can see me serving or doing this good deed no no you don't do that you don't practice in order to be seen whoever does that jesus says they're they have their reward right then and there and in the praise of men but but we are to live in such a way that it's going to be noticed it, it, won't, it won't you can't help it if you follow christ and he impacts every every part of your life so that so that being a christian isn't just about coming to church on sunday but it affects everything that you do monday through saturday the way that you parent the way that you work uh, the the way that you participate in the school system it impacts every aspect of of who you are the way that you uh, that the way that you participate in the political sphere everything is impacted by following christ such that people notice notice your good deeds and as a result are led to glorify God. Your, your light here that he talks about are your works. You are the light of the world. And, and he says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, but notice what he says here to, to make this clear. In the same way, verse 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. So what is the light that he's talking about here? The, the good works that you're doing. Not here on Sunday. Not coming to church, not, not just coming to Sunday school or being part of a community group, but what you're doing Monday through Saturday. The, the way that you're living in the world, they see your good works. And as a result, they're led to glorify God. Now we know from 1 Peter, not everybody just looks at us when we're, when we're living for the Lord and they immediately are led to glorify God. They're convicted by their sin and they say, look, 
look at this righteous person. I want to be like them and I want to follow Christ. I mean, that does happen from time to time. But Peter tells us uh, that sometimes they're going to persecute us. As we shine the light, the Gospel of John says men don't like light. They love darkness rather than light. And so sometimes what that's going to bring upon us is persecution. Sometimes you're going to shine the light in the school system or you're going to shine the light in in the factory that you work in or you're going to shine the light uh, in in these different spheres and people are going to want to shut that down. You're not going to put a basket over it, but somebody else is going to try to put a basket over your light, right? And and Peter tells that in in 1 Peter 2, verse 11, that that some people are going to react poorly to, to our light. But he goes on to say in that passage that they will glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, they're going to be forced to recognize uh, one day on the judgment day when when they stand before the Lord and and he's going to say, look at all this light that you've seen and look at the way in which you rejected and and then it will be clear for all to see. So we are called to be a light in this world. Are you a light in, in the world? Is your light shining? Do you have a preserving effect on the world around you? Are you salt? So how is it then, in particular, how how is it that we are to be salt and light? We're talking about good works, but but in particular, what does that look like, practically speaking? Well, first of all, I think he's talking about our our character. So Vance read, and I asked Vance to read this morning, these these Beatitudes. Do you remember them? Being poor in spirit, uh, mourning over your sin, being meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, being merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers, and, and so on. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's it's to have this kind of character that Christ lays out in the Sermon on the Mount and to live that out in the world around you in a very real way. You know, sometimes I I see Christians, I hear them complaining about, you know, the world doesn't like us, but but sometimes the world doesn't like us for all the right reasons. Uh, They don't like us not because we're merciful and peacemakers and we're pure and hard and hunger and thirst for righteousness. They They don't like us because we're not likable. We're not, we're not good people sometimes. We're suffering sometimes, but it's, it's not for the cause of Christ. And Peter also warns us about that, doesn't he? What I hear from some people is that not, not how merciful Christians are, but how ruthless and exacting they can be. They sit up on their pedestal and, and judge others. They're not merciful at, other, at all. Many times uh, the perception of the world is not that Christ's followers are poor in spirit, but they're full of arrogance and, and religious pride. They think they're better than, than everyone else. The world sees Christians oftentimes not as those who mourn over their sin, as Jesus said we ought to do, uh, but, but people who ignore their own sin while they castigate others for sins that they see as less tolerable. I'm, I'm okay for my sin. I don't, I don't shed a lot of tears, but man, when I see your sin, it really makes me angry. The world doesn't see the followers of Christ as meek, and humble, but they see us see a sort of as the religious right, a political group that's seeking to impose its will no matter what. They don't see us as those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Instead, they see us as those who act just like they do, but then claim that for some reason we're going to heaven because we've been saved. There's, there's no distinguishing difference there. They don't see us too often as those who are pure in heart, uh, those who have an undivided, undivided loyalty to God. Instead, too often they see us as those who are outwardly religious, but who are hypocrites. They don't see us as, as peacemakers. Instead, what we hear too often is how, 
how the church is always in turmoil, how there are always church fights and church splits, and how, uh, how unlike Christ we are in that way. All, after all of this, sometimes the world spits us out, and, and rightly so. They, they toss us out like that salt that has lost its, its savor. And that's, that's right. That they're not wrong to dislike us for that. There's nothing attractive about hypocrisy. There's nothing that that would attract them to the Lord or to the path of righteousness or to Christ uh, in the way that we act too often. Jesus is saying it should not be so. We have to be those who are merciful and peacemakers such that that the world is almost attracted to Christ because of the way that we act. The problem is that the world too often is rejecting us for all the right reasons. Uh, The world will reject us. The Bible is clear about that. But they shouldn't have cause. You remember when they bring Jesus to trial, right? They rejected Christ. Christ was humble. Christ was merciful. Christ was a peacemaker. Christ did all of those things. He he perfectly was an example of all those beatitudes. And they rejected him. But what did they do at the trial? They had to bring false witnesses against him. Unfortunately for us, right? That the world too often doesn't have to bring false witnesses. They, They could just play the real of the way that we act in the world and say... What this, this is supposed to be like for us? We need to be those who are different. You know, we can't change Christianity at large. Uh, we can't change the perception that the media and people out there have about evangelical Christians. We, we're not able to do that. But you know what we can do? We can begin to impact the way that people in Hancock County think about Christ and think about Christians. And that should be our goal. We should live differently so that the people in our community see the light of Christ. That means when we're at the ball fields or when we're in the school system, we're out in the community, we're in our places of work at Domtar or Southwire or Dowtile or wherever it is, when we're in our neighborhoods, neighborhoods, they, they should see us seriously pursuing the Lord such that, that there's a light there. There's a, there's a presence as they hear about Union Baptist, they should hear how it is not a place where, where people go to fight. In short, we, we should be a beacon of light for the world around us. You know, you may be the only real witness to Jesus Christ that many people have. There are a lot of people in our community, right, that claim to be Christians. But there are very few that, that seem to be really impacted by the gospel and their lives are changed. And you may be that source of light for that individual in in their life. So we need to take this call very serious. You know, it takes years to establish that kind of of witness in a community, but it's something that we ought to be striving for here in this church, that we can kind of change that narrative, uh, that we can be people who, who act in such a way that we're a credit to the gospel and not a detraction. We should not be the reason that people don't come to Christ. We should not be what pushes them away, but what draws them to Christ. We should be salt and light, not, not only in our character, though, but, but in our actions as well. And so, what are some specific actions or, or different works here? He says, let your light so shine, and then he says that light is your, your works or your good deeds that you do. Uh, well, I mentioned a few in the introduction, but first of all, it's just acts of, of general, what I call just general goodwill. Helping the poor, feeding the, feeding the poor, visiting the fatherless and the, the widows. That's what James says, right? And, and James, that pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows. 
How many of us are looking for opportunities in our community to help those who are in need, to to help the poor and to help those who are fatherless or to visit the widows? How, How many of us are engaged? I think most of us would raise our hand and say, that's a great idea. As a church, we ought to do that. But sometimes what we think about is we need a program and we need somebody else to go visit the widows or we need somebody else to do foster care or orphan care or help the, the fatherless. And, and, and yet all of us as individuals, every last one of us, this isn't just for some people. Uh, this is for all of us. All of us are called to those kinds of acts. And so uh, how is it that you are doing in, in that category? How are we helping the sick or comforting the weak? We have to be looking for those opportunities. This is what Jesus did, and this is what Jesus called us to do. You remember uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and that's what we're called to to do. Uh, I'm sure the the people that passed by, that man laying on the side of the road, I'm sure they had good reasons. I'm sure they had a full schedule, and they were busy. They had an appointment to get to, or plans, and man, if uh, if I was sure that I wouldn't be in danger, then I would help them. If I had a little more time, then I would help that guy laying on the side of the road. But all of us can come up with reasons why we don't help those in need. But the Bible calls us to this, and he he highlights the faith and the obedience of that Samaritan man who would take time and money and help the one who was in need. But not only these acts of, of good uh, will, there are also works that fo- focus more directly on the gospel. And these are kind of the, the sweet spot. These are the things that we typically think about. But just sharing the gospel, uh, the, these two things, this idea of helping those in need and sharing the gospel really shouldn't be things that compete against each other. Uh, they, they go hand in hand. As we're helping the poor and helping the, the needy, we ought to be taking the gospel with us. And that's what we're called to do. We're called, Jesus said, that his disciples, his followers would be fishers of men. And then he's given us the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to, to all people. So this is another way that we ought to be letting our light shine. When was the last time that you shared the gospel? When was the last time that you talked to somebody about the Lord? When was the last time that you, that you took a coworker to, to lunch and let, said, let me share with you what the Lord has done in my life and how He's changed me. And, and let me invite you uh, to church and invite you to, to believe in the gospel. When was the last time that we did that? Far too often we fall short in this task. There's a third category though, and that's what I really want to focus on this morning. This third category is one that we often neglect. And, and unlike those first two, I think most of us have heard help the poor, do, do good deeds in the community, yeah, share the gospel, we have the Great Commission, we, we know that. But this is, this is this third category, and the third category is the one that we often neglect, and sometimes it's not even in our, on our radar. But that is that we are to live a life of faith in our daily vocations and calling. And this is where that idea of a worldview comes in. The way that we think about how we work, the way that we think about our professions, the way that we think about schooling our children, uh, all of these things should be impacted by uh, the Bible and by biblical principles. You know, too often what has happened to Christians is that we've allowed our faith to be divided. Uh, We hear this in in the community and we hear this in, in the world that you know, well, that's your personal faith. Those are your personal f- beliefs. And you can have your personal beliefs over here. They can stay in your home and they can, they can go with you to church. But now when you come over here in the school system or you come over here into the factory 
or you come over here into this profession that you have, you just leave your faith over there. Uh, your faith is supposed to stay there. That shouldn't impact anything that you do over here. Uh, if you're a teacher, if you're a nurse or, or whatever it is you are, you, you, you don't bring your faith into the workplace. You don't bring your faith into the school system. And, and I'm not just talking about here, right? This gospel witness. We're not just talking about verbally sharing the gospel. But we're talking about thinking like a Christian and acting like a Christian. So what happens for many Christians is they come to church on Sunday and they kind of put on their Christian glasses. They put on their Bible glasses and they look at the world in a biblical way. And they think about the world in a biblical way. But then they're, they're told, and too many of us have bought into the lie, alright, take off those glasses and now put on your secular glasses because you're stepping into the world uh, of the, the secular. Your faith, your personal beliefs don't have anything to do over here. You just act like you've never read the Bible. You, you act like you're not a Christian at all. And that is, I think, uh, a, 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 an unbiblical and a wrong idea. And I'm, I feel like too, far too many Christians have bought into this lie. We, we believe uh, that, that Scripture and being a Christian is something that impacts everything that we do. And I think that's what this text is calling us to. He says nobody lights a lamp and then hides, hides it under a basket. But that's exactly what we do. When we go into the workplace or when we go into uh, the university or we go into the school system and, and we say, well, I can't talk about my faith here. I, I, I can't describe, you know, I can't stand up uh, for my beliefs here because this is the world, right? We're just putting our light under a basket. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us not to do. We don't check our faith at the door. We don't compartmentalize our life. Here's, here's my faith and over here's my work life and here's my family life. No, faith, following Christ is something that impacts every sphere of our life. And if we're consistent Christians, we can't just pick and choose the way that we think or when we think like a Christian. It's something that impacts every aspect of our life. And it doesn't matter what your vocation is. You say, well, I'm a school teacher and I can't, I can't talk about religion in school. But, but you've got to think about how... How will your faith shape you? Certainly there are, there are ways in which you can act and can't act, but, but how, does, how does your faith shape the way that you're a teacher in the school system? How does it shape the way that you're a supervisor or the way that you work in the factory? It ought to shape everything that we do, not just our home life or not just, not just life at church. Let me give you some examples of this. First of all, think about a supervisor in, in a factory? Does his faith impact the way that he operates? We might think about, is, is he going to think and act like a Christian in the workplace? Or so, so some impacts this might have. Will, will he refuse to do business as usual? You know, the, the supervisor above him says, this is the way that we do it. Th these numbers need to be reported like this. And, and the Christian says, wait a minute, those aren't the right numbers. And he says, no, that's, that's the way that we report them. It just kind of it just kind of makes everything run smoothly. Now, as, as a Christian, we ought to have pro problem right there. We, we ought to be honest people. Uh, and, and we ought to practice honesty in, in our business. So for the Christian supervisor or the Christian in that, that position, his faith needs to impact him there and, and in that moment. And you say, well, you know, that's going to get him into trouble. Uh, they've been doing this for years. They've been reporting it like this for years. And, and if he... If he uh, stands up and says that he won't do it, it's just going to cause problems for him. He might lose his job. But you know what? That's exactly what we need to do as Christians. That's where we're light. Uh, that, that's where we stand out. That's where we have that preserving effect on the culture. 
And we have to say, I'm going to act like a Christian no matter the cost. I think of Daniel, and he's a great example of this, right? Daniel was taken from, from his Jewish family and a, a, a strongly religious culture, and he's taken into a pagan culture. Did Daniel say, okay, well, my Jewish faith now, following the Lord, following Yahweh, uh, just needs to be set aside now because obviously I'm in Babylon now, and they don't, they don't believe in Yahweh. They, they worship other gods. So uh, the king says, I, I need to bow to this idol, and I know in my heart, right, when I go back to the synagogue on next Saturday, you know, I know and I'll be talking to my friends about how this is so wrong and so foolish, but I'm just going to do it because that's what they do in Babylon and, and when in Babylon do as the Babylonians, right? Uh, and no, Daniel doesn't do that. He says, I'm not going to bow to this image or, or I'm not going to eat this meat. My faith impacts me. It, it tells me that I act in this way and not in that way. And I don't just check that. I didn't leave that in, in Jerusalem. I didn't leave that in Palestine when I left. I brought it with me. That's the way that we are to be in this world. Think about the member uh, of the school board. Will she, will she seek to shine the light of biblical, a biblical view of sexuality or will she just capitulate and go on with everybody else? And she says, you know, I, I think this is wrong. I believe God created people male and female, but this is the way that the world is going. And, and uh, so I'm just, I've got to follow along. I, I can't bring my faith into this decision when I'm voting on the way that we're going to teach sexuality or, or our, our, uh, the way that we're going to handle this, this issue. I've, just, I've got to kind of check that at the door and, and leave it. And, and I've got to just act like uh, I'm a non-Christian. No, we're called to act like Christians. We're called to shine the light of the gospel. You may not win the day. Uh, you, may not, you may not be accepted uh, but you need to shine the, the light of the gospel. The student who goes to university or goes to college uh, and he goes to the biology class and they teach him all about Darwinian evolution. Does he just go along and say, well, I know I've got my Christian faith that I learned growing up, uh, but, but now this is, is teaching me all these things and I've just got to leave that over there because when I come to science, I take my Christian hat off, I take my, my Bible hat off and I come over here into the sciences and now... Now we just look at, at science. No, no. We continue to look at the world through the lens of Scripture, whether it's science, whether it's education, what, whatever field that we're in, whatever we're doing, we are called to do it as Christians, to carry out this Christian worldview. And so that requires uh, some difficult work. The healthcare professional uh, who is dealing with, with the care of the elderly and and the way that business seems to be done is that, uh, that they're treated in a way that perhaps sometimes is, is not uh, very dignified. But as a Christian healthcare professional, you come into it and you recognize these people are made in the image of God. And so that affects the way that I handle them, the way that I treat them, the way that I care for, for the elderly. Because it doesn't matter how old you get or how decrepit you become, you're still made in the image of God. So, so the other nurses, the other people that are working, they can treat them poorly, but I'm going to be a light. I'm going to allow my Christian views to influence me in the way that I care for the sick. Or what about the, the politician? Here's one that we hear all the time. Uh, and, and, and it comes sometimes from both sides of the aisle. Uh, well, I personally believe that abortion is wrong. That's my personal belief, and, and I, I do believe it's wrong. Uh, and yet, I, I can't impose morality on, on other people. Well, I've read the, the Bible cover to cover 
several times, and I've never seen anywhere or any idea in which we can set aside our personal faith and we can set aside our personal morality. Well, now let me act in a way that's immoral because other people have that, that view of immorality. No, we're to be a light. And if you're a politician, if you have the ability to influence, you have to do everything that you can to put an end to that immorality and to that, uh, to that, um, that great evil of, of our day. You know, a lot of this kind of started 50, 60 years ago, longer than that now. Uh, and one thing that, this wasn't the beginning of it, but, but one thing that really uh, kind of highlighted this was when John Kennedy uh, was running for president. And uh, one of the things that, that John Kennedy did was he spoke to a group of, of ministers in uh, Houston, Texas. And of course, as most of you know, he, he was Catholic and America at that point had never elected a Catholic to uh, the highest office, and so there were some kind of misgivings about that. And and uh, John Kennedy had a speech in, in Houston, Texas, speaking to the pastors there, and and he said basically that my Catholic faith doesn't really impact me as as a president. You see, he he kind of bifurcated his his life. Okay, my 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 religious life is over here, but that that has nothing to do with the way that I will act as a president. And, and that's not to criticize anything about John Kennedy or his, his political leanings or, or what he did, but just to highlight, and many Christians think in that way. I, I've got my, my, my private religious life over here, and that does not affect my public life. But Jesus is calling us and telling us here that yes, it does. You're called to be a light in whatever sphere it is, whether it's a factory worker or, a, or the president of the United States. You're called to follow Christ and to let your light so shine that men will see it. And we're called in that way. We cannot, of course, and, and this is where we begin with this, because this is obvious. As Christians, we cannot impose our Christian faith in the sense of making people Christian. And that's what we came from in, in the Middle Ages, right? That, that's what's problematic. When you, by the power of the sword, you say, okay, now you have to be a Christian. You have to have Christian faith. You have to be a follower of Christ. Of course we can't do that. And, and the gospel teaches us against that. To be a Christian is, is an issue of the heart. And we can't change people's hearts on, on, on the inside, right? We, we can't make them Christians. We can't make them believers in Jesus Christ. But we can absolutely stand for righteousness and seek to make laws that uphold righteousness and justice and goodness in our society. We can do that. People say you can't legislate morality. Oh, really? Because last time I checked, it's illegal to murder and to steal. And what is that if it's not morality? It is absolute, absolutely morality. We, we, we have laws against prostitution. We have laws against drug use. And I would say those are good. And in every one of those instances, we are legislating morality. We're, we're upholding righteousness because we see it as good for our society. Nobody wants to live in a society where, where murder is legal. Or, or where uh, drug use is, is rampant, or where uh, prostitution is rampant and women are, are being uh, used and abused, or stealing is legal. We need to stand, and, and we do all the time, we legislate morality on those issues. So that's not the problem. You know, if, if we are able to so easily set aside our faith, well, when I go to school or when I go to work, I just kind of 
put aside my Christianity, and that's something I pick up on Sunday mornings, we, the question has to be asked, right? If, if it's a genuine faith at all. He says no one lights a candle and puts it under a, a basket. I think as Christians too often, we've just forgotten the, 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 the song that we used to sing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. Hide it under a bushel? No. But we've bought into this lie and, and we are hiding our light under a basket when we do that. When we set aside our Christianity, when we set aside our morality and say, I can't impose that on, on other people. Of course, you can't force them to be believers in Jesus Christ. You cannot change their heart. But you can stand for righteousness. And we are to do that as followers of Jesus Christ. What we notice here is that our witness in these areas is God's plan to spread His kingdom. It's God's plan. He says, you, you are the salt of the earth. It's emphatic. You all are the salt of the earth. You're the, the light of the world. God has no backup plan apart from gospel-centered, healthy churches. God's only strategy is Beatitudes churches. We are the only taste of Jesus many people will experience. And so we are called to let our light shine. It's both individual and it's collective. This here, this you is, is the second person plural. It's you all. You all are the light of the world. And, and we notice here, there's the, the light that is lit, the individual candle, but then he also talks about the city that's set on a hill. And we as a collection, as the body of Christ ought to be shining, our light will become more visible when we shine together. As we conclude this morning, I think we need to hear this warning because I think there is a warning and that is that when when our life is not a witness when we're able to set aside our Christianity and act like secular people out in the world we betray our fundamental purpose he's saying this is Jesus is saying this is absurd no one goes home and lights a candle of course they have electricity then lights lights a candle candle which is intended to light the room and then says, okay, let me go get a basket now and put over that candle. It's absurd. If you light a candle, the purpose is that, that you will provide light to the room. And he talks about, about salt. No, no, a city on a hill, rather. Uh, a city on a hill is going to be visible. And the idea is, is in traveling in those days, of course, it's, it's dark. There's not a lot of city lights. And so when there was a community, when there's a little city there, uh, and at nighttime, it's all lit up and you can see it from miles away. It's, it's going to be visible. There's no way to hide a city on a hill. And, and so it is with Christians, those who are genuine followers of Jesus Christ. And when we are not shining the light, we betray our fundamental purpose. And the warning is here. Uh, he says, salt that has lost its saltiness or its taste or its savor, as some verses uh, put it, will be cast out. He says it's good for nothing. And Christianity, listen to this, this is the warning. Christianity that has no preserving effect in the culture around us is worthless. Do you see that? It's good, it's no longer good for anything, verse 13. Christianity that blends in and that stands out in, in no way. It, it shines no light. It has no preserving effect. That kind of Christianity is worthless. It's good, it's good for nothing. And do you see what he says will happen? It will be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. They would take that, that salt and throw it into the road, maybe to fill the, the potholes. So Christianity that, that doesn't affect the world around us 
is worthless. You know, we don't need to be afraid to be set apart in in this world. I think some Christians say, you know, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be too holy. Listen, you cannot be too holy. And you can be self-righteous and you can be arrogant and smug about your religion. And yeah, none of us wants to be that. But you cannot be too holy. Holiness is actually attractive. When you see a person who's holy, that means they're a person who's like God. So if you're acting as God acts, or if you're acting like Christ, it's something that's going to be attractive, not something that's going to push others away. A church that isn't shining the light of Christ in this world is a worthless institution. I think when we really get to the heart of why people don't want to to be a light in the world, it's because of what we see in the verses immediately preceding these verses. In verse 11, He says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And I think if we were honest, I think for most of us that are Christians, this is the heart of the matter. You say, I I don't, you know, it's not right for me to try to impose my, yes it is. It's right because you're supposed to be a light. You're supposed to be salt. The real heart of the matter is we don't want rejection. We don't want to be pushed away. We don't want to be that that religious person. We don't want people saying bad things about us. We don't want to be persecuted. But that's what Jesus said would happen. Let your light shine and let God take care of you. We mentioned Daniel earlier. Daniel ended up in the lion's den and, and Daniel ended up in a fiery furnace. But the Lord protected him. He took care of us and God will take care of us. And so we are to let our light shine before men. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we pray that you...